0: Does He reign over all, or is He reigned by something? Man, I hope tonight as we press forward through Ecclesiastes in this Scripture that we, that we see this. Um, so often it can be easy for us, I think, to say that God is great and, and that, that He reigns when things are good, and and I think sometimes, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but, but when things are really pressing in hard, I, I have to preach that truth to myself, because sometimes I find my flesh wanting to bring into question God's greatness when I'm a little uncomfortable. Does anybody else feel that way sometimes? All right, so what should we do whenever we feel that way, whenever we feel like we're pressed in on every side? We pray, and what should we be praying, right? We shouldn't be praying like, just like, let me just say my words. Like when we pray, like you look you look throughout Scripture, let's pray this, right? So when we pray, let it not, I mean, pray from the heart, all right? Pray from the heart. But when we pray, let us pray the truth of God's Word. Because sometimes we need to hear it, right? Sometimes we need to hear it. Um so that's kind of just leading us up to this point. I want us man, I want us as a church, I want us as individuals, as we get into God's word, I don't I don't know if you do, but I, I hope that you will, if you're not already, maybe at some point in the future, that that when you get into this is when you find yourself praising the most, right? So oftentimes, and, and, and maybe it's just we set up and we'll do music first and then we get into, we get into Scripture. So sometimes I think we feel like maybe that, that we have to usher ourselves into to God's Word. But I think that what, what we should find is that, that it is our knowledge and understanding of who God is in His Word that He's presented to us that causes worship to come through, right? So though that we do music first... We should be filling ourselves so that when we come in here, like we're full because we've been in God's Word and we're ready to overpour praise because of who we know that He is, right? So as we spend time in God's Word, I pray my prayer for you as a church is that as you as individuals spend time in His Word, that His Word will lead you into wonder about just how great that He is. If we want to if we want to worship God and we want to, Learn how to worship God, I think the best way to do that is learn who it is that we're worshiping right so and 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 we can do that in difficult passages of text tonight and for the at least tonight and the next time that I preach, we're going to be talking about death right and here's what I want to tell you is that for the Christian, this should not scare us, we should not be fearful of this. In fact, we find many in the New Testament, Paul is one that comes to mind, who when he thinks of death, he's like, it would be better for me to die. Right? Like, like Not that we're like somehow morbidly looking forward to the day that we die, but, but understanding that death's got nothing on us. It's got nothing. Right? Like Scripture, like death, where's your sting? Right? Where's your victory? It's been swallowed up in life. In what Christ has done, right? So let's open up in prayer. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Uh, last time we read verse 8 of chapter 8, um, and tonight we're going to reread that and then press on towards uh, the hope is that we cover all of all of uh, the rest of chapter 8, which is, I, s- I told you today that it was that it was 8 verses, um, I was mistaken in my counting, it's 9 verses. <laughs> so we may in fact be here all night. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so we're going to start off after prayer in verse 8, uh, and then we're going to kind of move through. So there's one idea that came over from last time that I want you to be thinking about, um, Leading into this, the last time we were kind of looking at God as being King of Kings and Lord of Lords and and the idea that we talked about that came up again Sunday was this idea of God being sovereign over these things, which, yes, it involves some very difficult questions that we have to wrestle with, but I I, I would ask that we not throw the baby out with the bathwater when it concerns God reigning over everything um, and being in control. Um, I think we find this in Scripture even though that we do also find that there's some very difficult questions that come from that. One thing, last time, big picture, God reigning King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This time we're going to be diving down a little bit deeper. We're going to be diving down kind of to the individual level. We're going to be starting off with you can't control when you live or die, right? From the moment that you were born, you weren't in control of that. And the the last breath that you take... You're not in control of that, right? You're not in control of that. And you may say, well, I'll put a gun to my head. Amen, brother. Amen. Because you don't reign over your own life in the beginning and the ending of it. If God says continue on, you continue on. And if God says today's the last, then today is the last. And you will not press one second further. Because he reigns over everything. All right? So as we open up in prayer, let's be considering that he reigns over that. And we're going to see wickedness play in here a lot. And we're going to see some other observations that Solomon has made. So let's let's keep all of those thoughts in mind as we kind of press on in the scripture tonight. Let's pray, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to gather again uh, in this place together that we could worship you. Because you are deserving of worship, and we will have the opportunity as your as your children bought at the highest price to worship you for an eternity, Lord, I pray now that we would start habits that that no doubt will continue into eternity, and those habits being learning more and more each and every day about the God that has called us from death to life let us let us find. Joy overwhelming in spending time with you, in prayer, and in uh, seeking your face and your word. Let us cherish it, Lord. Let it not be something that we just set aside and pick up every once in a while, but let it let it be continually written on our on our hearts. Lord, I understand tonight that there are many among us who likely come here with heavy hearts. I find myself also. With a heavy heart today, Lord, I still rejoice in you. But I, I find myself, as oftentimes I do, at a point to where I'm just like, Lord, what are you doing? And what are you doing? Like I don't, I don't get it. And and yeah, I got that you're sovereign and that you reign over everything. But I, man, I find myself sometimes asking you, like, what are you thinking, Lord? I pray that you would reign my heart in. Lord, that you would reign me in, that you would reign us in, that we would understand that we may not ever have all the answers, we may not ever know why those things happen to us today, but there is a truth that you've told us that we can bank on, and that that is, you reign. Lord, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. No, we may not know if today is our last, or if it's not, you do. Lord, Before we ever breathed our first breath, you you knew the moment that we would breathe our last breath. And you have brought us together in this place, and I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue doing what you've been doing, Lord. That you would move in us, that you would move in your people, that you would move in the lost, that you would call people to repentance time and time and time again, that we would find ourselves constantly being renewed, Lord, that it would not be something that happens to us once we feel like we've just royally messed everything up, but that it would be something that each and every day that we would find ourselves constantly in repentance, that You would reveal the sinfulness that remains in us and that Your Holy Spirit would be faithful to move it out of us and that we would be head over heels in love with You. Lord, that You would make Yourself evident in our lives, and in our hearts, You would make Yourself... And in this church and in this community, Lord, that you would move, because if you do not move, we will not be moved, but Lord, if you move, we cannot stop you, Lord, so I ask humbly that you move in me, that you move in my family here tonight it 's in christ 's name amen so we 're going to be in Roman or man a lot we are going to be in Romans we 're going to end there. <laughs> We're going to start off in Ecclesiastes chapter eight. like I said prior to opening us up in prayer, we were kind of considering the idea of God's sovereignty over the kings of this earth and over the ways of this earth last time the 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 idea that we stopped with there continues on through uh through chapter eight here. Uh, so we're going to pick back up with the verse that we left off with last time, and I want us to consider it a little bit. So I want us to consider our lives. I want us to consider all that we see and all that we come in contact with as individuals, on an individual and personal level. And I want us to consider, uh, is God sovereign over these things, right? So the first thing that we're going to deal with in verse 8 of chapter 8 It's going to be life itself. So we're going to be talking about some uh, some, what can be not fun things to talk about. I mean, who likes talking about death, right? Um, But I want to, I think, in keeping a sober mind about these things, uh, and and these things being something that we are always considering, that what we'll find is that, in fact, that our lives that we have now, are better, because we've thought about the life that is to come, right? Uh, and death is the transition to that life. So let us let us consider that as we open up tonight in Rome, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes, chapter eight, verse eight. None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. Is there anybody here tonight that this is not including? So I'm gonna I'm gonna read it again because I I want us to think about this. I want us to think about this, and I want us to consider it. I want us to consider who reigns over the days of our life, who knows the days to come, whether they be difficult or easy, and who knows when we'll breathe our last breath. Is it us? We'll find no. Is it God? We'll find yes. And what do we do with that? Or what should we do with that? Knowing that we don't know if today might be that day. Right? So let's read it one more time. And I'm going to ask you again if anybody's excluded from it. None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. So for somebody, what does that mean? You, you, you have no control over death. So when death comes for you, you are in no way powerful enough to say, I'm going to stay right here in this body. Right? No matter what you do, no matter what kind of wishful thinking you might have, when that day comes for you, you will be powerless to prevent it. Is that day coming? is that day coming when is it when is it because here's the thing if we knew would we live different today would we so as i'm as i'm reading this and as i'm as i'm studying this getting ready to preach it i'm i'm asking myself the same thing so the question Would you live differently if you knew today was that day? Now, you're not in control of it. But if somehow you knew for sure today was your last day, that when you laid your head in bed tonight, that you would wake up in eternity, how many of you would have spent the day like you spent it? How many of us? Can anybody, please, somebody raise their hand and say, I would have lived today as I'm living it. So I don't see a single hand. I'm going to give you another opportunity. Nobody? Really? What would you do different? If you knew today was your last... and? Man, I, I was thinking, as I was doing this, I was thinking, Lord, what would I do different? Like, what would I, like, if I knew, the night that I was studying this, if I knew that I would close that thing up, go to bed, and not wake up in this world, would I have lived differently? And yeah, I would. Yeah, I would have. Now, there's some, there's some of the things that I would have done that, that, like go to work, I wouldn't have gone to work that day. <laughs> we wouldn't have done laundry. <laughs> that's good. There's a lot of folks not doing laundry. So there's some honesty in here. So if it was the last day that we were going to live, we would not be doing laundry. <laughs> this is good. This is good. But true, I would not have gone to work. And that's not because I don't love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. But why, why would I not go to work that day, knowing that it was my last day? I'd want to spend it better. So yes, so I would want to spend it with who I love. I want to reword that a little bit and say that I would want to have spent my time better. Is that to say, is that to say that going to work is something I shouldn't do? Of of course not. I, I should go to work, right? The Bible tells us that we are to work. Right? This is something good. In work, there should be something more. And this is something that we should be realizing up to this point in Ecclesiastes, that for me to just be going to work to do what? Make money and to be successful, that would be vain and meaningless and pointless. What matters when I go to work? What really matters? People matter. So as I go to work, The question is not, the question should not be, would I go to work that day? Because absolutely no, I'm not going to work that day. It's my last day. You know what I'm doing? Like, I'm waking up that day realizing it's my last day. I'm calling my family. I'm I'm getting my wife. I'm getting my kids. Like, I'm going to, like, honestly, honestly, I'm going to be like, y'all better do it without me, right? You better make it there without me. You better not need me. You better need Him. Baby, if my day is today, chase for Christ because you'll find me there. Right? I'm going to be spending time with my kids. Right? I'm going to be spending time with my wife. We're going to be hanging out because my time is ticking away and work matters nothing. Now, I'm going to call my work people. I'm going to call my friends up and I'm going to be like, look, I'm I'm a little sick today. (laughs) It's going to be my last. So I got this whole death thing going on today. I'm not going to make it into work today. But you know what? Every day that I was there with you, do you realize that? what I was trying to do, and every good thing that I did, that you saw, do you know what that was about? Do you know what that was about? Do you think it was about making money? Do you think that's what it was about? It was not about money. It's because God placed in me things that I love, that I enjoy, and He placed those things in you. And our paths crossed for the short amount of time. And what I was supposed to do for you is let you see Christ in me, and I pray that I did not fail in that. God is greater. And I would hang up the phone. I would spend time with my kids and with my wife and if my dad called me, I'm answering. First time. No voicemail. I'm probably calling you. Dad, today's my last day. It's my last. I love you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for loving me because I know there's a lot of folks who don't have it. And I would tell my mom the same thing. Thank you all for the sacrifices that you've made. It did not go on deaf ears. Babe, I love you. More than anything in this world that God could have given me, he gave me you. And I pray that you know that I did not waste that time. I pray that you know that though I may have failed many times, that something took a hold of me. And I pray that you saw it. Chase after it. Because everything else, vanity. The nice house, The now-getting-old cars, the luxuries, the vacations, the good times. Without Christ, nothing. Cameron, Calarina, when you listen to this, I love you. I thank God that of all the family that He could have given me, He gave you all to me, and it's not always been easy. And we ain't always agreed. And sometimes I pushed you down. And sometimes I picked on you. But you grew up to be a pretty big guy. (laughs) I love you. Are you going to carry on? If I'm gone, do I have to worry about you? Who reigns in your life? Who reigns in your family? Mary Corinne, Isaac, let's dance. Right? Let's dance. Daddy can't dance and it's gonna look silly, but I'm dying anyways. So what I gotta worry about being embarrassed about. So let's dance. If you wanna put it on YouTube, put it on YouTube. I'm dead. It doesn't matter. You know what? I'm going to have all the guys over that have always came and worked out with me, and I'm going to call you, and we're going to go one more time. One more time. I'm going to set a strict timer. And Dustin, if Dustin were to listen to this, man, we're not going to chit-chat for long afterwards because I'm dying. (laughs) We're going to go one more time. And when we get done, you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you, as hard as we go here, you go harder there you think that the workouts, do you think that the time that I spent, do you think that I need you coming to work out with me? No. No. I could do it by myself. For many years, I did it by myself. You know what it's about? It's about pushing, because that's what life does. It's about being pressed down to the point that you think that you cannot do it, and then finding out that with a spot, you can so every guy that's ever come, let's do it one more time. Because I'm doing it for Christ, every bit of it. And when I put my kids in bed that night, when I tuck them in, and we say that one last prayer, man, I'm I'm praying, I'm praying. Lord, I don't have control over it anyways. You call them. You send a man to preach to them. Someone that will tell them the truth about who they are without Christ so that I can see them again. Because if it's your last day, you're doing what matters. You're doing what matters, church. And you'll find out what matters. So why is it then? Why is it that we spend so much of our time instead doing those things that we wouldn't even think about? How many of you are on your phone texting or on Facebook or Instagram? Huh? How many of you are working an extra hour that day? Really? Really? How many of us? You' got no time to waste, right? And you got time today to wait. Do you know what else? If it was a Wednesday, do you know what I would be doing? I'd be preaching the longest message that you had ever heard in your life, church, because I love you, and this matters. This matters. And you know what? If, if I was going to die right in the middle of the service and wasn't going to get to tuck my kids in bed, bring them in here. They're not going to disturb me one bit. You know why? i got no time to waste. I'm not in control of it. You are not in control of it. So why is it that we waste so much time on things that mean so little to us how many of you have tomorrow how many of you i feared that i would say it and it would happen to somebody We'd have a whole lot of rededications then, wouldn't we? We may find a whole lot of people getting saved for the, for the very first time. We think, though, we think that we have so much time. We need to understand, church, we need to understand that we are not in control of it. And when that day comes, we'll have no power to stop it. No power at all. And God is sovereign over your days. You are not. And He's called us church to do something important and not something that's wasting our time. And I'm I'm man, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you that if all we're doing is coming in here, right? If all we're doing is coming in here and all I'm doing is saying something that makes you feel good and Dustin and Kip and Shane and Kobe were just saying something to make you feel like you paid your tribute or whatever, then man, that's such a waste of time. Like God didn't come to build buildings where people came and got to feel good about themselves. right? Like God's sending people out if we're not, if we're not, and I'm not, Man, I'm not saying every one of y'all like, yeah, I answered the call to be a missionary today and I'm going to West Africa or, you know, ISIS, I'm coming that way. Like, I'm not saying that, but are we even stepping out? Like when we say, when I say like that at my job, that everything that I do, that I'm doing it so that Christ might be glorified. Can we say that? Like, are we even living it outside of here? Is it something that crosses our mind on occasion and we suppress it down because I'm too busy today, right? I'm too I can't go do that today. I can't take somebody food or go visit somebody in the hospital. I can't go, man, I got too much going on today. And and if we are honest, all those things that are the too much going on would be the things that we would not be doing if it was our last day. Right? Has God called us to just waste time? Like we've got it to waste. I don't, I don't think He has. He's called us to do something better with our time because there's something better to be done. The last part of verse 8, there is no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. In the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. So who, we've had this discussion a couple of different times, and, and I want us to be honest with ourselves, and I want us to ask ourselves, if, if we were apart from Christ, what would we be? Would there be any one of us good? No. So the wickedness that we do in wasting the time that God has granted us, do we think that that is going to matter when that day comes? Do we think that the football games that we watched or went to or coached or whatever, do we think that that's going to be the thing that... Man alive, I hope I did more extracurricular activities when I stand before the Lord because maybe that will help me get in. Right? I, I hope I did all my homework. Do we think that those things that don't matter... Or or somehow if we do enough of them, that they'll add up to help us? When what God's calling us to is something greater than wasting our time? What are we doing? What are we doing? Verse 9, I've thought deeply about all that goes on here under the sun. So one thing, I just want to stop here for a second and just point out is that this is not just the random ramblings of an old man. This is something that he has spent time seeking and searching. And he's putting down here these thoughts, not as just random thoughts, but as the insight of a wise man made wise by God, ultimately allowed to go off, live a life of sinfulness, and then be brought to repentance so that he could pen these words of warning in many cases, that we don't waste our lives. So I've thought deeply, verse 9, I've thought deeply about all that goes on here under the sun. And I I just point out again, under the sun, the context that we've been dealing with as we've kind of pressed through Ecclesiastes here. When people have the power, where, excuse me, where people have the power to hurt each other. So who is hurting who? Who? We are hurting each other, right? So when we start digging down into this, because what we're going to be digging into is we're going to be digging into wickedness and wickedness that goes on. And one thing that I want us to point out, which so oftentimes when we consider all the evil that goes on in the world, we we tend to fail to consider the source of that evil. And instead, we quickly reply, well, God, you should have stopped that. Right, you should have you should have done something, right? Like I see this thing that is wicked, and you should have put an end to it. And what I want us what I want us to get to because we're going to go and we're going to look over in Romans in a little bit. And what I what I because it's so easy. Like we look like look at the headlines and you see like people getting their heads cut off in the Middle East, and and how many of us don't think that that's wicked? Like, is that wicked? It's wicked, right? It's evil. Right? So what we do is that wicked people observe other wicked people and call their wickedness wicked while suppressing the wickedness that we ourselves do thinking that we will be able to get away with it forever. Right? And this is the danger that we face because we think our wickedness is somehow less wicked than a greater wickedness. Right? Failing to understand that the smallest of white lies against an infinitely holy Creator, could set you as an enemy of Him. Right? So it's not a matter of the weight of wickedness which you commit. Because every single one of us, if we had the right perspective, a heavenly perspective, then what we would realize is that God was very, very, very patient with us very patient with us. And His patience is for a reason and for a purpose. So as we get to looking, and as we ourselves find ourselves looking out there and seeing all this wickedness, not being able to make sense of it at all, I'm going to be honest with you, because there's a lot of craziness out there that you just can't, can't make sense of. But what we need to hold on to, God is sovereign, and I think that He gives us glimpses of this throughout. Throughout. Right? So that persecution and trouble, and he'll allow the wicked to be wicked. He'll be patient with the wicked, long-suffering with the wicked as they build up wrath against themselves because ultimately a purpose and a plan that he has set in place is playing out. So that even in the cutting off of heads, you will find that Christ will glorify himself in those whose heads are being cut off. You find it, through, you find it throughout the history of the church, the persecution the persecution of the church has been rampant. It is not something new. It is not something new. We find ourselves really in a pocket in Western culture where we're comfortable and we're not having to worry about being burnt at the stake or persecuted to death, right? So we think that it happens nowhere, and then if it did happen, God ha- could have no purpose in it. And what I want us to understand is that, is that the church is just writhed. With persecution. And what you find so many times is the ones who are persecuting are affected by the sacrifices of those who are being persecuted, so that even in wickedness, even in wickedness, God can make himself known. And if you doubt this, like if you doubt that God can make Himself known in wickedness, then I ask you, what was the cross, if not the most wicked act that could ever be perpetrated? The one innocent man murdered, yet has God not done great things with this man's sacrifice? Right? So if he, if we can see that, if we can see that in the cross, in the worst thing that you could ever pile up against man, that God could good, could do good, let us trust that the sovereign God, the one who reigns over all things, can equally do good in lesser evils. Because I will tell you that murdering Christ is the greatest of evils that could be committed. The greatest of evils. There is no evil that you can conceive in your mind that would be there. None. Yet God, from the foundation of the world, for you wicked people, and I include myself in that you, allowed the evilest act so that he could make himself known. And here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. And you may not believe me now, but if, if Christ has called you to Him one day, you'll find it out to be true, that you serve a God that is huge, and you don't even know how huge. And I think that I kind of have an idea, and I have no clue how huge He is. Unfathomable. Cannot conceive it on my best day. The brightest of minds, the greatest of theologians, have no clue how great our God is. So let's understand this, that God is willing and able to do good and work good. Romans 8, 28, for those He's called, according to His purposes. And that is an amazing, amazing truth. God reigns, church. God reigns. So as we consider the wickedness that we commit, right, let's understand that. People have the power to hurt each other. Verse 29, or excuse me, verse 9 of chapter 8. So verse 10, I've seen wicked people buried with honor, yet they were the very ones who frequented the temple and are now praised. Shall I read that again? I've seen wicked people buried with honor, yet... They were the very ones who frequented the temple and are now praised in the same city where they committed their crimes. There's another way that this is translated and some, some of the manuscripts read that they are forgotten instead of they are praised, that they're forgotten. And I actually prefer that one because it, it it ultimately, I think, makes the most sense of this text is that no matter what, you're going to be forgotten the worst that you could commit. And, and what we find in this Particular passage of text I want you to understand is hypocrisy. Right? These are the people going to the temple. These are the people going to church. He's seen these same people commit these evils in their town and it either be forgotten or made light of or praised. And this, this man alive, this is dangerous. I want to tell you this is dangerous. He's seen it. When we go over to Romans in chapter 2, the the text that we're going to look at is going to be Paul talking to the Jews and the Jews are doing, right? The Jews are doing this very same thing. Wickedness in the church. And this is what you'll find when you find churches without God as the center and the focus. Or churches without His purposes being sought out. Is that you'll find man-made religion doing man-made things, and we'll be praising it, and we'll be saying that that's good, and we'll be saying that it's, you know, what should happen, and we'll be honoring it, and the whole time, those who are wise will see that and understand the wickedness that it is. So, so ultimately, what I want us to be considering is, is, is this us? And I'm not saying us like as a group. I, I want to go down to the level of is it you? Is it me? Right? Am I? Because am, am I? I, I want you all to follow me here. I want you all to follow me here. I'm preaching to you. Right? I'm doing an honorable thing. Right? What if... What if... What I'm telling you is wrong and I'm lying about it. What if? Would that be wicked? And how, how many times have I left here on Wednesday nights and people are like, man, thank you for that. Are you going and checking any of this? Does it matter to you? Or does it sound good? Do you think, do you think that I could fool you? Do you think that I can tell you something, push it as truth, say it in the right way, you believe it, take it and run with it? Huh? Because here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think I can get up here, and I think I can put on a show, and I think I can tell you to chase your best life now, and I think I can pack every one of these pews. Get your best life now. Get that money. I can tell you these things. And unfortunately, I would convince some of you. Because that sounds better. That sounds better than give your life in the pursuit of something else other than self. Which is what Christ has called us to So, let's be careful that we ourselves are not lured into wickedness so that we coming in here thinking we're doing what what should be done find out at the end of the day that we're here in this. That we're the ones who frequented the temple. Yet we're the wicked people who were buried with honor. Is that what's going to be said of us? Because, man, I'm telling you, church, if we're a church that lives up and does nothing and steps not one foot outside this door and serves not one person, can't even serve each other, if Kip buries you, he, he's going to honor you. Don't, don't make him honor a wicked person because you did nothing. Because you served in no way. Because you wasted the life that you were given, thinking that you had one more day to do something. I'll put that off. I got some stuff that I got to get handled today, and I'll take care of those things tomorrow. Those, that tomorrow will come. That's what we tell ourselves. Tomorrow will come until it doesn't. Till it doesn't. So I want us to be careful, because what oftentimes can happen is that we can justify our sin. We look to another sin and we say, well, look how sinful that is. I'm good where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. And I'll stay here. Because where I'm at right now is comfortable. Verse 11, when crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. Man alive. Do y'all hear this? Is this not absolutely 100% the truth? If God, and I want to just pick out whatever sin it is that you yourself, you're like, man, I got issues with this, right? This is a place that you struggle. Pick that out in your mind. And you would tell yourself this. You would tell yourself this. If God would just strike me down over that, just show me one, strike me one time. Man, that'd change the way I do everything. But He didn't. So either He doesn't see it, or it's not as bad as I think. So I'll step a little further, and I'll step a little further, and I'll step a little further until I've gone way, way, way too far. And I've abused the patience of God. Taking it for granted, His mercies and His kindness. Not thinking for a second that maybe He was patient with me, maybe He's patient with you. Because he wants you to come to repentance, we're going to find this is the case. So, one thing that I want us to be careful with too, I want us to be careful with too. Because here's the thing: we w- we would like for God to be lenient with us and strict for others. True? Yeah, I think I think probably true. Like, we'd like him to be lenient on the things that I don't think are so bad. But those over there, he's unjust for any amount of leniency that he's shown them. Because theirs is way too wicked. They stepped way too far. Right? Is this not the state of the heart that we tend to have? Right? Right? Let's be careful in that. When we we cry out that God will be just now, what sins are we wallowing in ourselves? Don't abuse it, church, because here's the thing. The God that is lenient with you today is allowing the wrath to come to build up, and that is very frightening. So if you don't know Christ... The wrath that was poured out on him that he finished in the cross will be poured out on you. And you cannot finish it. You cannot finish that cup. Verse 12. But even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that those who fear God are better off. So, help me out here, church. What is the theme that he has under the sun for those who we would consider the good ones? What is he telling them? What is he telling them? He's told it from the end, and we've looked at it a couple times. You go to the very last chapter, and how does he he close the book out? With fearing God. Fearing God. And in that, what do we find? What do we find? What does it take to fear something? To know it's real, right? If you didn't think that the justice of God was a real thing, you're probably not going to fear His wrath. If you didn't think that His wrath was real, you, you're probably not going to fear it. You, you think it's real, and you know where it should be directed. Right? As Christians, what we understand is that wrath that was directed at us, we had someone step in to the place of it, but in a life lived only under the sun in a life lived without Christ altogether, there is nothing but fear when that last breath comes right? I used I, I used to not and I bragged about it when I was er, when I was a young Christian I used to not be scared of hell right like hell like, like I, when I came to Christ i didn't come to Christ because I was scared of going to hell right it was not till after I came to Christ that I realized how fearful hell will be. The outpouring of the wrath of God for eternity. Who's going to save you from that? If you reject the offering of Christ, who will redeem you from that? I think we've lost in some way a healthy fear of God. Knowing that He's both merciful, but He's just. But we think that we just get away with things because He's a loving God, right? A loving God. So we step all over and we'll make a fool of ourselves. Calling ourselves Christians and living nothing like Christ. Thinking that we've got some get out of hell free card. And then knowing... Knowing as a Christian, you know, you know the sins that you've committed. You know them. You know the sins that you've committed today. Many of you know the sins that you will commit tomorrow because you've not been led yet in repentance to them. You fear not God. What does He tell us here? I know that those who fear God will be better off. Better off than who? The one who sins and lives a long life. Which is going to be interesting for what he says next. The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. So we see at the beginning of verse 12. I want you all to follow with me and I want you all to see. If y'all see this, we see in the beginning of verse 12, even though a person sins a hundred times, 100, uh, just for how many, how many have, have, have hit the hundred mark in your life? Just a couple, maybe? Maybe a couple send sin a hundred times? For uh, at Solomon, just a couple of chapters over, made mention of a thousand women, right? Like, like, He's making mention of some big numbers. And now he goes and uses a little one. Now he's like a hundred. And he's like looking around the room like, who thought they escaped that one? Right? Like a hundred today, maybe. He says a hundred have lived a long life. Now, tell me this. Now, now, I'm just, be honest with me. If you knew an individual who only committed a hundred sins, would you com- consider them wicked? Like under the sun, they'd be like saints, man. Right? Right? Like, every if I told you that I had only committed a hundred, y'all would be like, Kip, you better not let him preach again. Yeah, he's up there, like, straight line in the pulpit. I may not be checking up what he's saying in Scripture when I leave after Wednesday night service, but I I for sure know the man sinned more than a hundred times. Because he can't be that much better than me. right? So we get this small number here, and... Considered wicked, a man sins a hundred times, lives a long life. And now we see below this, the wicked will not prosper for they don't fear God. Their days will never grow long. So it would, it would seem that a hundred sins puts you in the wicked list, and though they may live a long life. And then here we see what seems to be the opposite of that. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. What do we find here? I'm telling you, what you find here is perspective, friends. Because though you may live the wickedest wickedest of lives and live the longest of lives, that when you compare this world to the next, it's not even comparable. Not even comparable. So their days will not grow long. So here's something that I I want you to follow me here. All the wickedness that you see. And what this should do is this should lead us in our hearts to a place where we know that we are the same as everyone else apart from a knowledge that saves us in Christ. And that every day that we have is a gift. And everyone that doesn't know that, we should want to tell that. Because what we understand is that though it may look wicked, they need Christ like we need Christ. Because we're wicked apart from Christ. And it is only in Christ and through Christ that we find any kind of righteousness in ourselves. So the wicked will not prosper. So as we look out there and we see this wickedness and we look at it, we should... We should be righteously angry at sin. True. We should also come from a perspective where we know that we are sinners. And we should desire Christ's mercy to fall on everyone. We should desire repentance from everyone. Even what we would consider the wickedest of sinners. Because we know that time is short. And that the next life is forever long. So, what happens here matters, right? What happens here matters. The people that you go to work with matter. Truth, their eternities matter. Your worst of enemies, your worst of enemies matter. Should we desire and seek after their repentance? Is there anyone, anyone in this world today that we should not desire? comes to know Christ. Not a single one. And if we are in our hearts at a place to where we say, not them, but me, watch out. Watch out as you come into this place, you wicked, wicked heart, who knows grace and would show no grace to others. I would question if you know grace. Let's continue on. And this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. And under the sun, that stands. But I I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. That God's plan is greater than what is found under the sun. Right? So... So as a Christian, when we find ourselves feeling like we fall into this place, picture with me, picture with me the kind of heart that a man must have to be hanging on a cross in the midst of his murderers crying out for their forgiveness. Hanging there, gasping for breath because it's your last day. what do you want repentance from those let us take that christians let us take that as an example for the lives that we should be living so that if our lives are required of us at the hands of another that the the thought on our heart and hopefully what would come forth from our mouth is father forgive them for they know not what they do but show them even if it requires the blood of my body, like, are we there yet? Are are we there as individuals? Maybe not all the way. Who wants to press into that? Who wants who wants to push into that instead of where they're at now? Maybe somebody we want to step closer into that. We want to know the grace of Christ more so that we can show that to others? Man, love. I, I hope. I hope so. I, I want that for myself, and 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 I say that knowing that if that day comes or when that day comes, that is, that's not going to be easy. That to that to that to do that is not going to be easy. But in that day, I want to I want to lay a promise out there for you that it will not be your strength that does it. That when you find yourself crushed, you'll find the Holy Spirit empowered. When you're weak, you'll find Him strong. Because He's not a little God. He's a great God. Right? He's a God who reigns. Even when the world would look and say, where is your God now? We'll say, He is very, very patient with me and with you. So that you'll come to what? Repentance. Repentance. So I I recommend... Verse 15, and this is all the recommendation that you could find under the sun. So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, to drink, and to enjoy life. I'm so thankful that there's a New Testament and that we can come to the understanding that there is something more than food and drink something greater to chase after, something greater to hope in. That way they'll experience some happiness along with the hard work God gives them under the sun. Verse 16, "In my search for wisdom and in my observation of people's burdens here on earth, I discovered there is ceaseless activity day and night. I realized that no one can ever dis- or that no one can discover everything God is doing under the sun." Not even the wisest of people discover everything, no matter what they claim. I want to step back here for a second, because I know that the stuff that we've been dealing with has been some weighty kind of stuff to to let sink in. The way that he ends this particular section, to me, I find it to be, I find it to be just—I mean—beautiful is the only word that I can that I can come to here because I, I look at this. And and I find myself as an individual the kind of person who likes to know how things work. Like mom and dad would tell you, whenever I was younger, how many computers did I break in the pursuit of figuring out how those things work? Like, like I like to know how things tick. That's just who I am, right? So I, I like to explore. And I think that God has placed in, in, in all of us particular passions and particular desires, whether it be for me like computers and software and just building things and, you know, some people that's writing, some people that's singing. God's given everybody particular passions that they like. And in all of our different passions, because some of you have a hard time figuring out how to turn a computer on, right? And you think what I do was just witchcraft. And that's how I feel if I were to try to sing or play the any of this stuff up here, like it, it would be horrible. Like, there's no way I could ever be good at it. I would love to do it, but I have a particular thing that God's gifted me in, right? There's particular areas that each of us have been gifted in, and we seek in these things, not them for themselves, but we explore. And in our in our desire to explore, and and it should be in our desire to to use all of our gifts. What we're doing is trying to. Press further into the glory and the majesty of God Himself. He's given us these things that we desire so that we can come to know Him more through them. So in particular things that I do or that I see or that I experience, that I can communicate in a particular way that somebody else may not be able to. And then somebody else has got a gift or a desire or a passion that that they themselves would be able to articulate something about God in a way that I would not be able to. And here's the amazing thing about about this passage of text. I want us to read it again one more time with this in mind. I realize that no one ever can discover or that no one can discover everything God is doing under the sun. This statement, one, has a big limitation. That you could never discover what God's doing. And He even limits it to what's done under the sun. Now, this in particular is, is really a way that we should come to understand in our minds that all that's going on, all this craziness, no matter hard, how hard we pressed into it, no matter how many great minds we put together, we would never fathom all that God's doing. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't press into it, right? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek and explore it because, hey, we'll never know everything about it. That means that we can be hopeful in that. That we will, in eternity, if we chose to just limit our conversations about God to what He had done, here would never find ourselves exhausting the greatness of the work that He's done here. Never, in eternity, could we talk about all that God is doing in this world and come to a point where, where we were all like, you know, I think we got that covered. We, you know, I think I think all that God was doing down there, now I understand it completely. Not in an eternity, friends. If you think that you're going to get to heaven and then all understanding is just going to be given to you, like, you can't handle that, right? God is the all-knowing God. You will never be all-knowing. And that should be amazing. Because part of your worship in heaven will be gaining deeper, more intimate understanding of the God who has redeemed you for eternity. We will press forward in that, into eternity, never exhausting the depths of it. And as I read that, and as I think about that, I don't find myself bummed out because I'm limited and I'll never figure it out. I find myself like, so what you're telling me is that I will never be bored in heaven. Because I love to explore, and when I get into this, I feel like that 's what it is like i 'm exploring what God has done and what God is doing, and I can never exhaust it, even even this book with the, the there 's a finite number of pages in this thing, and I could sit and we could spend lifetimes, and we would never exhaust, never exhaust what he 's put in this that 's how big he is, man that 's how big he is. I, I hope that we come to that to that understanding that we serve a God that is not going to be tapped dry, right? When we dig that well, we can keep on digging. When we start drinking from that water, we can keep on drinking. We're never going to exhaust it. That, to me, is amazing. And if you think it's because your limitations, the end of this, not even the wisest people discover everything. No matter what they tell you. No matter what they tell you. And if they're truly wise, what they will tell you is that they ain't got it figured out. And thank God, we're not going to have a boring eternity. How many of you were fearful at some point? I I was. I'm not going to lie to you here. There was a time where I thought, man, I don't know that it's going to be so fun. I mean, I don't want to go to hell, you know, this is probably going to be hot, but... I, mean, I don't know about the whole like it being like church thing for eternity. It seems like Lord, wouldn't I get bored there and fall asleep a little bit? Man, it's so much bigger, it's so much greater. And I think the problem that we have sometimes is if we try to like confine it, like we can confine it, like it'll make us feel better if we could, and it wouldn't. God is inexhaustible. That is amazing. That is amazing, and it blows me away, blows me away, so with these things in mind, with these things in mind, I want us to flip over uh, and I want us to end in Romans uh, we're going to be looking at chapter two we 're just going to and i 'm going to kind of just read through this and we'll be uh, we'll be closing out with this Romans chapter two and again, at some point in the future we'll go into this in depth, but for now, just to kind of use this as a way of reflecting back on what we saw there in Ecclesiastes, I want us to look at Romans chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 1, and he's speaking here to the Jews, he's he's kind of called out sin across the board, and now he's speaking to the Jews, he's speaking to the church people of the day, the people that if any kind of law, or any kind of working, or any kind of knowledge could have gotten them there, that they would have been the ones to figure it out, and here's what we find, chapter 2, Romans. You may think you can condemn such people. What people? Wicked people. Sinful people, right? This is the people that we're talking about. You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. So if we're worried about God's punishment coming out, it's frightening, it's coming. Friends, it's coming. And it should be part of the motivation, not the central or primary. Like the primary is that people know God, but at least an auxiliary purpose of the reason that we tell people is so that we can spare them from the wrath that is to come. The primary is so that they can know God more. Right, so... uh, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. go back in chapter one and see what those such things are since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid god's judgment when you do the same things don't you see listen to this listen to this part when we think about the wickedness that we see around us when we think about all that goes on around us and we Question it, and we think about, why, man, why does it seem like it's so bad? Why does God let these things go on? I want you to consider this. Don't you see, this is verse 4, chapter 2 of Romans. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? So he's talking to those religious people who would condemn those quote-unquote sinful people. And he says here, don't you see how tolerant, kind, patient God is with you? Right? Keep that in mind. And then he asks, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? So why is God patient with us in our sin? And friends, if you're a Christian and you think that he's not still patient with you in your sin, then you're fooling yourself. He's still overly patient with us. Why does he do this? Why does he do this? Scripture tells us his kindness, his patience here is intended to turn you from sin. That's the Purpose of Him being patient with you instead of wiping you out. He's giving you time and time and time again. Time and time again. Verse 5, But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. I'll read that again but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sins. Stubborn and refuse to turn. You are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank You for allowing us to come together again in this place so that we could spend time in seeking after You and Your Word. I thank You, Lord, for all that you're doing in your people, Lord. Uh, if, if as Kobe said, that that nations or that we don't pray for countries, but we pray for people. When, when I talk about your church, Lord, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about your people, Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in your people. I thank you, Lord, that your timing is perfect. It's never off, not by a second, not by a moment. I'm glad... Lord, that you are faithful when we're unfaithful. I praise you for, for who you are. Uh, and I just I ask that you would continue in, in your church, that you would um, move through the power of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, so that we would serve you. Lord, let us understand that the, that the time is so short so short and Lord I man you you know me Lord you 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 know how much time I waste and how much how much how many times that I choose to waste my time lord and I, I pray that in those places that you would refine me Lord that that everything that we do that we would do for the service of your kingdom Lord that every moment of our lives we would live in such a way as to bring glory to you Lord I, I pray for anyone who may be here tonight who who I don't I don't know maybe is convicted over hearing your word in, in some point or some part and and is seeking what they must do now. Lord repent, believe is what your word tells us Lord and that's not just a one-time thing. Lord, I find myself every day repenting and believing. Lord, let us, let us be a people who are quick to repent when you reveal sin to us. Let us not harbor up hardness in our hearts. I thank you for Christ. Man, I thank you for Christ. Without him, it would be meaningless and, and worthless. But Lord, what hope that we have. What hope that we have, Lord. And, and, Lord, you know my heart. You know that if this was the last day. <laughs> if this was the last moment, that I would open my eyes saying, thank you for letting me say some truth about you because you're big, Lord. And, and if all that we do is just talk about your greatness, let us talk about your greatness you are great not one not one word spoken about your greatness would ever be vain thank you for Christ and the sacrifice that makes all this available to us in Christ's name